Hi, this is Sylla Shepard Hanger. I'm from the Atlantic Institute of Aromatherapy in Tampa, Florida, and I'm on the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. The biggest pet peeve in the aromatherapy industry for me is fighting the myths that have been put out and the unsafe use that has caused a lot of injuries by using essential oils undiluted, orally, unsupervised, and improper. Welcome to the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. I'm Neil. I'm the Big Mouth Pharmacist. I'm a pretty sarcastic, slightly unprofessional healthcare professional, a holistic pharmacist here to talk about everything wellness, weed, and Woodstock. We broadcast from the most famous small town in America, where I hold court as the town's family pharmacist who tries to get people off their medicines and onto a wellness program free of the BS and misinformation of the natural products industry. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Neil Smoller, holistic pharmacist and founder of Woodstock Vitamins. Thanks for listening. I hope that you're a subscriber to our podcast. Please give us a five-star rating if you haven't done so already. And I would love if you would submit ideas about topics that you'd like me to talk about here on the podcast. Just email podcast at woodstockvitamins.com. Do you smell that? That wonderful scent is our guest this week, aromatherapy expert Scylla Shepard-Hanger. Syl is the founder and director of the Atlantic Institute of Aromatherapy in Tampa, Florida. She brings 40 years experience in personal research into the essential oil arena. She's the author of the Aromatherapy Practitioner Correspondence Course and the Aromatherapy Practitioner Reference Manual, the latter of which is a complete reference book with over 350 plant extracts and phytochemical clinical and botanical indexes. She's literally written the book about it. The reason I love her is because she's outspoken about the problems within her industry, specifically the misinformation that's being spread by the ever-growing multi-level marketing or pyramid company essential oil brands. Scylla's been tremendously impactful in the aromatherapy space, but her greatest gift has been the injury reporting database she established specifically for any adverse event experienced by the proper or improper use of essential oils. Our conversation today focuses on all the bad information the public is exposed to and how Scylla and her peers have dedicated their lives to consumer advocacy. So Scylla, why don't you tell me like one of the biggest myths that you have to kind of combat on a daily basis as it pertains to aromatherapy products and essential oils? Probably the biggest myth for me is uh, the use of undiluted oils. The oils are safe when they are diluted to 2 to 5%. Mm-hmm. But because the multi-level uh, companies that have come about, they only are pushing more sales of oils. So therefore, they want people to use them undiluted, putting them all over as if they were a moisturizer, mm-hmm. um, taking them undiluted under the tongue or in water and ingesting them for no reason. Right. But the irritation that comes from putting them on undiluted is probably the worst hurt that people have had because not only does it irritate the skin, repeated use causes sensitization, which is a lifetime allergic reaction that can lead into anaphylaxis and shock. You've had several people end up in the hospital uh, and the doctors unfortunately don't know what it's from, but they have overused the oils for so long that they have become sensitized to where they are breaking out and blisters and rash the throat starts to close, they're going into shock. Yeah. I mean, it's an uphill battle. When I talk to anybody about essential oils here in the store, they're almost 
always going to be advocating for their own use of using it either internally or directly undiluted. And because it's an essential oil, it's very, very caustic. It can uh, be damaging to the skin, of course. Yes. So let's talk about like what are proper dilutions? Like what is the least dilute that you should be able to get away with? And then what do you recommend? Well, I mean, for many years as a practicing aromatherapist, I've had really good results, topical use, two to 5%. That's only, that's 15 drops in an ounce of a carrier, such as your fractionated coconut. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reason is, for one, the, if you use them undiluted, there's no way that 15 drops could cover a whole body. So you're diluting them to be able to spread them out more. Uh, when you don't dilute, you end up burning the skin, drying it out, and setting yourself up for sensitization. And the, the less is more is our motto because less does better than full strength. And this mm -hmm. is hard for people to realize and it's hard for them to understand. They think, oh, it's a natural product. We can put it on. It's going to be fine. Well, strychnine is a natural product as well, and that yes. will kill you. Yes. And these, these oils are a, a set of individual chemicals. Each oil varies. Some oils are very caustic, like your oregano. Um, and then some are very gentle, like lavender. But people are sensitized to lavender because in, in the old days, the 70s, 80s, when I first started, we thought they were natural and we were told it's okay to put lavender tea tree undiluted on maybe a spot, a pimple, or a bug bite. And yeah, that's a fine occasionally, but in a general rule, you cannot use them undiluted um, without having some reaction at some point. It's like Russian roulette. You never know when it's going to trigger. How did you get from being somebody that was more nonchalant about it to being such an advocate for proper use? Because I saw what happened in the 80s when the multi-levels came along mm -hmm. and they promoted putting them on undiluted and drinking them up and putting them in capsules. And for many years, for 14 years, I was the chair of the safety committee of the National Association of Holistic Aromatherapy, NAHA. Mm -hmm. And w this is when I started putting out safety data and some of the links that are on my website. Back then, we knew that. And it's not like this is new information. The essential oils have been studied widely for their safety because they are included in cosmetic, toiletries, food, and perfumes. So there is a huge... Uh, worldwide organization, IFRA, I-F-R-A, and their sister organization, RIFRM, R-I-F-M, they are the research people, they collect the data. So we have known for a long time that something like, say, lemon verbena oil is a sensitizer. It's a known sensitizer. So we have no, we have no business using that. Back, way back then is when I started seeing this in people's products and I started calling them out for it. And so over time, I became the safety person um, where people would come to me to make a statement about something. And I mean, I didn't do this by myself. Tony Burfield was my colleague doing a lot of these papers. Mm -hmm. He's very, uh, very knowledgeable and part of the European organizations that promote the safety and uh, come up with the data. So it's not like we invented this. This data has been out there a long time. It's just yeah. the multi-levels chose to ignore it. Well, I mean, one of the things that I hear the most when I try to be an advocate on behalf of what you, the work you guys have done, um, is that, oh, it's only a few cases. No, 
It's not a few cases, and this is why I started my injury reporting database because uh, when the multi-levels did come along and people were getting injured, I said, well, you've got to tell the company. Well, guess what happens if you tell the company, they say, oh, no, it's your body. You must be detoxing. This is one of the famous lines. If you're red and breaking out, then you are having a detox reaction and keep using them and use more, which is totally shaming to the person who might think that they are tox and, um, and it is not correct. They are injured because of they are becoming sensitized. So they are totally discounted by the companies, by the uplines, by anyone who complains. A lot of people don't complain because they're embarrassed that they did something stupid. They find out later they shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. um, and or they have a relationship with the person who told them to do it. Because as you know, multi-level, you get everybody you know involved in your church, in your neighborhood, your brother, your sister, your aunts and uncles. And so therefore, people did not want to complain to their best friend that they were having a terrible reaction because they were ashamed for that. Yeah. And so that that's what's happened is, is people are ashamed. So they don't report to the company. Mm -hmm. They do report. Some of them have been reporting to our database. We've been collecting injury reports for five years. Mm -hmm. And there's, I can't even read them anymore. I wait once a year to uh, total them up and issue our report because they're so heartbreaking. Maybe, yeah. maybe stopping breathing uh, because somebody told them to slather on eucalyptus on their baby. I'm um, going to the hospital. People going to the hospital with organ damage because of five years of ingesting these oils. I mean, you could go read them. I don't want to. There's some horrible stories on there where people did things with essential oils that could have been prevented. That's the yeah. point. All of this could have been prevented. Yeah, I mean, I think what I try to relate to people when it comes to side effects from supplements or medications is that there's a responsibility to have this stuff reported. Yes. So one of the, the myths that I fight in my industry is that natural products are just safer yeah. and, um, and, we, and all of the horrible side effects associated with drugs and, and the idea that, well, we don't know about any side effects associated with drugs and uh, where the supplements and, and, you know, I say to people, it's like, because nobody's reporting them, nobody's right. taking that responsibility to report them. And, you know, on the contrary, then there's also that responsibility to um, report up. So like, if, if uh, there is something that's beneficial, that some um, multi-level marketer or some, you know, other charlatan, as I tend to call them, uh, yeah. finds that works really well, we would hope that they would then report that and put that case study on record so we had some good data around the use of the product so we could make more informed decisions. Yeah. So, so yeah, so there's a responsibility to report. So not a lot of people are reporting. And, and what people think is that they have to wait for it to be so severe like you're highlighting. You don't have to wait for a reaction to be so severe to have it reported officially. And when it comes to aromatherapy, the database that you guys have set up is great. It's very easy to use. People can say, I got, I used this on my skin because I was directed to do so. And it caused a rash. It caused right. redness. It caused burning. It caused stinging, right? It's yeah. as simple as that. So burning and stinging, if all of those records went on file, then we would have a much clearer picture yeah. about the other side yeah. uh, to this whole thing. Yeah, I think, you know, our database is a drop in the bucket. If we have 500 entries, there are 5,000 
that have not reported that have had the same thing. Oh, I'm sure it's much, much more than that. Yeah. And so like you, you say multi-levels, uh, multi-level marketers, of course, I say pyramid schemes because they are a pyramid yeah, they and, are. and, and that's it. Um, don't buy toasters from them because the goal isn't to, um, give a good product. It's to make, make money, make money. And, on the different tiers of the system. Um, you know, so let's talk about um, this other myth that you're bringing up is the idea that you, so you're talking about using them just undiluted generally. So all essential oils need to be diluted before they're used because of their, their properties. Um, so diluted down and then used. And, but then there's some people that are ingesting them. Yeah. That's a whole nother ball game because again, they think that, <clears throat> I mean, oils are so simple. They can work with a sniff, and that is the fastest way to get into the bloodstream. If you need it in the bloodstream, inhalation is the fastest way. Mm -hmm. But they have now been taught to ingest them into capsules, okay, so that they get in through the stomach. Well, guess what happens? They get metabolized by the liver before they ever get out into the bloodstream. If they really wanted it in the bloodstream, it should go into the rectum as a suppository. And all, this is aromatic medicine. This isn't something people at home should be doing. And we have right. trained in this. It is widely known in other places, but uh, the multi-levels have picked up on that. They try to call it the French method, which makes no sense at all because huh. it's aromatic medicine. And uh, they think because the French have done that. And, but, you know, every, every culture in every country, there's no such thing as the British method or the French method. It is all depending on how you use it and what your training is. And multi-level salespeople do not have the training to go recommending um, oral medications or rectal suppositories to, to their neighbor or their sister-in-law. Especially for a condition or something like that. Right. And, you know, I think even to simplify it further, this is aromatic medicine. This is aromatherapy. This right. isn't made to be put on your skin, to be absorbed into your skin or to treat something on your skin. It's used in lotions because we then breathe it in. And then that causes whatever other reactions yeah. are out there in our brains and, and all of that other stuff. So, cause like I try not to get into the idea that the essential oils are going to get absorbed. i get more worried about the essential oils being swallowed and then being caustic to mucous yeah. membranes of the esophagus and the yeah. stomach and causing ulcerations. That's my bigger concern. So I believe that the mechanism of how essential oils work is probably some sort of like sensory perception and funky stuff for the brain that's way outside of my pay grade. But, you know, we know that lavender is calming, you know? Yeah, the whole relaxation effect. That can cause a cascade of hormonal release and help with all so many other issues just from the relaxation. So, But, but the, you know, period end of sentences is that these are meant to be inhaled and not directly either, uh, indirectly diluted. Even when we're using aromatherapy, it should be diluted in the air. It's not something that you're going to put your face over like a concentrated nebulizer yeah. and, and breathe that in. Um, you can you do said. that if you are treating a lung condition. We highly recommend the inhalation from one of the ultrasonic using the moisture. That's a very therapeutic thing to do. But even just keeping them in the air, I run a diffuser all day, every day in my home, in my office. I'm never sick. I mean, thank God I've had cancer and a hernia, but I don't get sick because I keep them in the air, keep my air clean. When I do get sick, I may take them orally and suppositories, but I know what I'm doing. I've had training in this. And the, the other thing with the oral use that people don't realize is if you're on any other medication, you could be messing that up. 
yeah. there are medication interactions, even with, with uh, using too much on yourself, and people don't realize that. Because all they're a set of chemicals. They are very active, and they can produce great effects, but they can also mess up your medication that you're already taking. In my recommendation wheelhouse, I normally kind of stick to peppermint oil uh, because there is some clinical data that peppermint oil, when formulated correctly, uh, normally like an enteric coating or something like yeah. that, delivered yeah, to IBS. the IBS. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. So there is data to connect the two things, which is great. Um, but the you know the other use I kind of stay away from. You know, when people use essential oils, they need to be aware. They need to be diluted. And they shouldn't be ingesting them, especially if they're uh, if they're not trained. Um, so that is a lot of myth uh, misinformation. So, yeah. what are other myths that you have to combat on a regular basis? Well, one uh, we could just talk about the oils themselves and the myths that have come up around them. That since the multi levels came along with their own uh, version of therapeutic, pure, blah blah blah, they have their own names, which doesn't mean anything. I mean, essential oils are produced all over the world, and our use is a drop in the bucket. But we do want a pure oil. And that company, or those multi-levels, are not the only companies that have pure oils. Right. So you're talking about the quality of the quality. manufacturing of the oil. Yeah. So, so essentially, because yeah, I see this a bunch when people come and they, they look at ours. So the way that our essential oils come from our botanicals, they list on the outside, the testing methods, um, standardization, and like all of the stuff that you'd want to see to prove that it, it was done correctly, just to kind of be more transparent. Right. Uh, because I feel like probably what you're saying here is that the multi-level marketing uh, essential oil brands are kind of trying to copyright quality in, in oils. Yeah, and they are. So, so like, what are they saying that they're doing and how is that bogus? Well, for one, if you look at their prices, um, let's just pick lemon oil. Lemon oil is very inexpensive. It comes from the peel. We have millions and thousands of them. You could buy a pound of lemon oil for less than $15, right? Mm -hmm. A whole pound, 16 ounces. Mm -hmm. And you turn around and look at what they're, they're selling a 15 mil bottle, a half of an ounce for mm -hmm. $15. Right. Now, obviously they're making a lot of money on that. And this is why they want you to drink it mm -hmm. and put it in because uh, the more you drink, the better off. But yet they're, they're not only raping the earth and they have created a huge uh, unsustainable issue. We've lost several oils over the last years because they've bought it all up or they have got new plantations here. So they're using up way too many oils too fast. So what kinds of uh, essential oils aren't available anymore? Um, Artemisia arborescens is one that we lost. We now have blue tansy, uh, but again, they have taken that to where they buy it all up. So by summertime next year, there's none left. Same with the Helichrysum metallicum from Corsica. It used to be our greatest wound healer, anti-inflammatory. Uh, they bought it all up and nobody could get any. So guess what? Now we have Helichrysum from Corsica, I mean from uh, uh, Croatia and other places, but it's not the same Helichrysum. It's not the same botanical and nor does it have the properties that the Corsican had. And they're trying to sell that and make it into the new latest greatest. Right. Uh, here's here's a good one, um, Arbor Vitae, um, giant red, western red cedar, I think is the common name. Oh, they found a great um, uh, pile of sawdust, and they started distilling that, and now it's the latest, greatest oil. Sawdust? 
they they extract it from sawdust. Yeah, after, sawdust. Wow. After trees being cut down. So I mean, it smells nice, but I mean, I don't know if uh, I would turn it into a therapeutic. You know, they had to find therapeutics for it. Now, you know, here's a new oil. It's never been used by aromatherapists. It has no safety testing. Yeah. And you know, they're pushing it as the latest greatest thing on earth, mm-hmm. making up uses for it. And this is what I don't like because they. They're just pulling stuff out to make money, and it's not, it's not. I mean, maybe it has some value, but we don't have, we haven't had it around long enough. It's like vaping, right? Everybody vaped for many years. Now it's killing people off. Yeah, because of the bootleg products. Yeah, yeah the same with with essential oils. Um, we don't know what the long term use of this is. It may look safe, but but we just don't know because there's some chemicals in that oil that has never been in any other oils. So back to the idea of like quality in general, though, they talk about how their farming methods are superior, their extraction methods are superior. Mm-hmm. They talk about, um, you know, the idea that, you know, uh, they're organic versus non-organic and all of that. So do you want to kind of speak to those specific points? Yeah, I would love to talk about this um, seed to seal uh, thing where they claim that they grow all their own. Well, it's impossible. They've got a few... Uh, lavender fields and some fields out in um, Utah, whatever, but no company that sells what these multi-levels do could possibly grow and produce all their own oils. It's impossible. So even the claim that they grow their own, you're, yeah. you're saying is completely bunk. Right. They can't. They can't possibly grow at all. They grow some, mm-hmm. and um, but the rest they buy from China. You know, because really, Neil, there's only a few brokers in the world. Right. And and these companies buy big. They buy in the train car load lots. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get that from your own field. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Right. And and it's already been a lot of these things have been busted on the internet. So we could find a um a freight shipment where company X bought 5 million tons of peppermint or lavender or blah blah from China. And so don't people cannot believe that they grow their own. They grow all their own. They can't. They grow some, but they can't do it all. So they're not growing their own. And then you're saying that they're coming from like less scrupulous places. How, how are they verifying or validating that their uh, claims of high quality are being mm-hmm. made? That's a good question. And in the past, we've had a lot of we have some really great chemists on our side that do analysis, mm-hmm. like Dr. Rob Pappas of Essential Oil University. And he's been a great champion for us. And he's busted a lot of their oils over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it started way back with their so-called pure jasmine. That mm-hmm. wasn't pure. Oh, really? So what was going on with it? Oh, it had, it had some something. I can't remember the details, but it wasn't pure. It had Im- impurities in it from some degree. But it was, was it like adulterated where it had har- yeah, harmful yeah, chemicals? Yeah. Oh, okay. A lot of your uh, very expensive oils are going to be adulterated. And okay. they, they'll put in a similar chemical, maybe the phenyl ethyl alcohol and rose. They'll add some of that and, mm-hmm. you know, to bump it up because it's very profitable. Uh, one of the things I talk, you know, we can't go one episode without talking about CBD. So I might as well talk about it now. So okay. CBD oil is a very great example of this, where the essential oils that are found in a in a extract of a cannabis plant are similar to things that you would find in basic products, like you talked about lemon. So limonene is one of the essential oils found in cannabis. So using you can use mangoes, you can use other citrus to bump up the levels of essential oils in your CBD extract, for example. Okay, hang on. Hang on, because there, uh, in the CBD extract, there are no essential oils. They are just getting the 
and cannabidiols and those things. So, well, no, the full spectrum extracts do what's called subcritical um, uh, extraction, which is normally pulling out terpenes, which are essentially right. essential oils. Well, they are components of essential oils, but you know, the a cannabis essential oil from the cannabis plant is going to be different than the CBD. So, got it. Yeah, because it's not going to have the CBD. In, in no, it's going to be two different things. But there are terpenes. You're correct. Mm-hmm. In the CBD, which is part of essential, essential oils have monoterpenes, sesquiterpenes, alcohols, ethers, aldehydes. They have a lot of chemical families. Mm-hmm. But like you said, the monoterpene limonene is very abundant, and and a lot of the extracts then will have that. Uh, actually, have it put back in. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the uh, medical marijuana, same way, they extract, and they'll either use the full spectrum, the whole thing, or they'll add back in the terpenes for that particular strain. Beautiful. So then we talked about price. So the idea of these things costing what they cost, people, this is the part that perplexes me because the price and quality connection is obvious in our culture. You know, we're taught that things that cost a lot of money are more valuable. And in the situation where we are logically attaching all of the benefits of any other well-made essential oil, in fact, they they can often be superior to those multi-level marketing products for a fraction of the cost. It's a very difficult thing. So like, let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, if anyone looks at the price of like the lemon oil, for example, you're going to see $15 for a 15 mil. When, when that oil in that bottle that you're paying $15 for costs less than a quarter and maybe with the bottle and the labor, you're talking a dollar. So they're making $14 profit on that. Yeah. Which And somebody just getting in, they're going to buy that they have the best, so you're going to pay more. But then they hook people in by saying, well, but if you recruit 10 other people, yours goes down to $10. And yeah. this is how people get sucked into it. They have to recruit others in order to pay for their own oils. Mm-hmm. And they don't even realize it. When they could go to any of the other, there's at least 10 companies I always like to say, look at companies that got started in the 70s and 80s and that have been around all this time. They have very pure stuff. They've had 40 years to go find the good brokers. They do the testing. They know their oil's pure. And they're going to sell that same lemon bottle for $5. Right. So when you see things like that, you got to realize that the multi-level is way overpriced. Yeah, I'm looking at um, some pricing that we had done for somebody to do a comparison. And uh, a peppermint price per ounce was $43. And our price, our price per ounce was twelve fifty, okay. And that was on like a discount that we were giving them. Uh, frankincense, uh, $143.50. And um, ours was uh, about a third of that. So yeah. Um, it's pretty pretty intense how um, how dramatic these price differences yeah. are. They're two to three times higher. I don't know the going right through prices. I'm just making them up mm-hmm. my head. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would I would definitely say that the multi level are going to be two to three times the price of normal aromatherapy 
good supplier. And I think one of the things that people have to remember is that you want to look at it from uh, an apples to apples comparison. So when you yeah. are uh, comparing, like quite often they'll do one third ounces or one half ounces or something like that. Yeah. So you think you're paying 15 bucks for a product and oh, it's just like the 15 bucks you would get at Neil's store, but ours is actually three times the volume. Right. You know, so yeah. it's about making sure that you understand, are, are you comparing the same volume yeah. when you're comparing these prices? And yeah. again, the reason that we, we're harping on this is because you feel there's no difference in quality. Uh, in fact, their quality in, could be considered poor. I'll tell you, you know, in the case of the citrus oils and the peppermint, the U.S., like, we're the largest supplier. Those mm -hmm. are going to be very inexpensive. We make yeah. a lot of peppermint in the Midwest and the Pacific Northwest. We're the largest, one of the largest suppliers in the world for peppermint. And they're right in our backyard. They're going to be very inexpensive. If you compare that to helichrysum, which comes from Europe, and it's more rare, it's going to be a lot more expensive. So mm -hmm. in the case of the peppermint and your lemon, your orange, all of your they should be very, very inexpensive. And, and they're going to be pure because you're, there's, there's no reason to adulterate an inexpensive oil. Right, because it's super cheap. No, uh, nobody's so, gonna yeah. mess with peppermint unless they're gonna put some sweet stuff in it to make it smell like peppermint patty. Got it. To, to declare that theirs is better. Yeah. <laughs> what are some other myths that you have to like fight all the time? I fight a lot of things because I, um, in the last ten years, uh, some people jumped on the safety wagon, mm -hmm. and they have become the experts overnight. And they have this no, no, never approach. So no, you can't ever use eucalyptus on a child under 10 because it'll choke them. Mm -hmm. And so the no, no, never is just what I fight. No, you can use this on a child. I raised my daughter with eucalyptus because she had chronic uh, respiratory and she's 35 and fine. Some people take these things a little too, um, a little too serious. And I think, I think that started way back when the multi-levels came about. And we started to try to rein them in by saying, no, you don't put them undiluted in the bath. You don't put them under a child's nose. You can't give a child. There's now all these uh, age limits for children, which makes no sense at all. You just use a lighter formula. So if an adult would use 2%, a baby would use 0.5% mm -hmm. of the same oil. So a lot of the safety has become... Uh, no, no, never, don't use this, don't ever take them orally, blah, blah, blah. So you're saying that you have competing people within the safety space, the anti-MLM space. Yeah, some people are like overboard. They took what I was saying and ran with it. So then, so then what, is the, what is the line in the sand? So you're saying that you're, you're trying to fight these people, these, um, these people that are being too conservative. Yeah. Um, so, so how do we identify the proper use of essential oils versus the extreme conservative versus the extreme liberal use of it? Mm, I call it the 50 shades of essential oil, Grace, <laughs> because there, it, it all depends. I mean, it's the age of the, age of the person, the condition, the, the dose, the duration. So many things have to be considered. You can't just have a, Cross the board rule for everybody or an age limit for a child and so if you if you've had your training proper training then you can see when yes you can use that on a child or an older or younger whatever there are no hard and fast rules for that um, age limit because a lot of it we don't know yet we have mm -hmm. you know, we've just started looking at this and it's not like you can't make hard and fast rules on some of the um, some of the things people are saying. So that's something I fight all the time. 
Okay. Uh, what are some other myths that you have to combat out there? Uh, here's one is the grass, resi uh, grass determination for essential oils that they are under uh, USDA, I think, for food flavor, uh, or the FDA has the generally recognized as safe, G-R-A-S, designation. That means that essential oils are safe in parts per million as food flavor. That does not mean they are safe to take orally. And this is something that the multi-levels have totally misconstrued because all oils have grass status, not mm -hmm. just theirs. And that does not mean they are considered oral doses. And here's something that really pisses me off is that these companies now, they have two lines. They have one line because, again, they, they can't make these claims and the FDA's come and shut them down a few times over the claims that they make of those are selling, right? So they've had to clean up that. But they also uh, can't put label on their bottle. They can't say that it does this and that. They can say it may enhance your health if you take two drops in your water every day. So they have a line of oils that are uh, food grade, they call it. So those, and this is very same oil in another bottle with a different designation. Very, very confusing to people, but. In reality, all oils are grass. They're all approved, most of them, for food flavor. Um, the other things are if uh, a lot of bo uh, bottles will say not for ingestion. That's mm -hmm. to keep kids from drinking it. That yeah. does not mean that it's not pure. So people think if it says not for ingestion, it means it's not pure. Understand. Or if it says for aromatherapy use. And a lot of these things are put on the bottles as a protection. Mm -hmm. don't want kids ingesting. And this is the big problem is kids have ingested. And if you look at poison control, you will see the numbers rising every year because there are more oils around and people are splattering them all over their kids and on their feet because that's another myth. They think the feet is safe. I don't know why. Your, your feet can become sensitized just like your face or any other part of your body. But the other myth of putting them on your feet because the pores are larger or some reason they are absorbed better is total bullshit because you have calluses on your feet. Well, mm -hmm. The oils are going to go through there a lot less. So right. that's another big misconception. Well, I mean, one of the things that I think about all the time is the, the labeling. You were talking about food grade versus uh, aromatherapy only. So therapeutic grade comes up a lot. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think about that? That is just a name that we coined a long time ago before the multi-levels came along. Um, we kind of had the distinction of commercial grade and therapeutic grade. This is because originally all oils were commercial grade. As aromatherapy became bigger in the 80s and people started finding very high quality oils, um, special, broke, uh, special people that were distilling, uh, we started calling those therapeutic as opposed to commercial grade. Okay. Uh, because they were a little better grade oil um, and they were made specifically for our industry, not Colgate Palmolive right. or, you know, the food flavor industry. Right. But the important thing to remember is that that is, like you said, a coin term. It's not an yes. official legal status. No. And no. they're... they're other people will make it seem that if it doesn't say therapeutic grade, then automatically it is not yeah. a good quality product. Right. Mm -hmm. It was uh, long ago, uh, somebody coined the term genuine and authentic. And Got that, it. that yeah. would have been the step above the commercial grade oils. But that's just a name in our industry. There is no 
no official uh, term for oils and all of these things that are made up now, certified pure, therapeutic, blah, blah. And that's just a company's thing, a made up, a made up title mm-hmm. for oils. All right. Well, Scylla, I want to thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. And um, I hope to read more about it. And the outro here, I'm going to teach all my uh, people all how to submit their adverse re- uh, events. Yes, please. That website, that's aromatherapyunited.org is the site to report. Mm-hmm. And if people could do that, the more data we collect, the better. We're showing, we're, we got a definite trend on there already where the most of the injuries come from undiluted or ingestion, and they're all from multi-level. Got it. All right. Well, wonderful. Well, if you buy your multi-level marketing essential oils or otherwise, uh, make sure that you use them responsibly. And if you have any adverse events, please report them to the Aromatherapy United uh, adverse event database. I love me some Scylla, an essential conversation with an essential oil expert. So Scylla is extremely knowledgeable, obviously, in the science of the essential oil, and most importantly, extremely passionate about doing the right thing. So here's what I'm asking you, my listeners. If you use essential oils and think you've been misinformed, reach out to Scylla or I. Someone may have told you to ingest them or use them undiluted, for example, and we want to know. We want to hear what that source was, so that way we can add that to our database, if you will. If there are people in your life that are promoting essential oils, make sure they hear this conversation, understand the other side of things, not just what they're told, but the potential negative impacts. Natural products and essential oils are fantastic, but the industry is full of corruption and greed, and the goal is to oversell you on mediocre, even problematic products while using the really light legal framework to their advantage. And finally, if you've experienced any side effect, big or small, from any essential oil, not just the MLM ones, please report it and encourage others to do so. The site for submitting new or reading the past injury reports is aromatherapyunited.org. A-R-O-M-A-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y-U-N-I-T-E-D.O-R-G. For more Scylla, visit AtlanticInstitute.com or Atlantic Institute on Facebook. She also has a personal page called VintageAromatherapist.com, V-I-N-T-A-G-E-A-R-O-M-A-T-H-E-R-A-P-I-S-T.com. And I hope this conversation was eye-opening at the least. So thanks again to my guest, Scylla Shepard-Hanger. And until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and be well.